0: Bodega, bodega, bodega. Alpha and Omega. (coughs) Siamese sailors sell celery sandwiches. Sawing a Serving platter. Hey hey, Jamie.
1: Yes. Uh, Did uh, Did you want to try reading that line on the script there?
0: Oh yeah. Let's see. Uh, you could say big when you bundle your home and auto with Progressive. That one. Yes. Yeah. No. I'm just not warmed up yet. Shouldn't be long. La la la. Detector test. Indeed.
2: Bundle your home and auto with Progressive today.
0: The Marmot mangled by mushy pork
2: pancake. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.
1: Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast.
0: After years of waiting, Lewis Hamilton will finally see his great American dream come true. You know, unless something unthinkable happens, Lewis Hamilton will be crowned a six-time world champion in Austin.
1: And Kunal, you know what? I'm going to make a prediction that Lewis Hamilton, after being crowned world champion, is going to say, As a child, I had a dream that I would win a Formula One world championship. And then he'll add, I'd win a Formula One world championship with Mercedes and now I have six. And then he will further add... That it was my dream to win a Formula One World Championship with Mercedes in the United States of America. <laughs> you see where I'm going with this.
0: That was a little predictable coming from <laughs> Lewis Hamilton, not, not from you. But I think the United States Grand Prix is going to be one hell of a party. Lewis Hamilton's guest list is going to be re- a really long one. Even now Liberty Media is because they've gone and you know revealed the 2021 regulations, which is a really bold step. And I really wonder if the, you know, that guy who did the meow sound. if ah, he that
1: guy. If he
0: is going to make an appearance to Lewis Hamilton's party. He's, that would be quite cool. He's single-handedly become one of the most popular fans.
1: <laughs> and I also wonder which celebrity is going to Radio Hamilton after he wins his sixth title.
0: Crucially, there has to be a celebrity, right? Yeah. Because that's what Formula One will do in the land of celebrities. Lewis, you are six times Formula One world champion.
1: Oh my God, was that Barack Obama on our show?
0: (laughs) You guys can go back and listen to it, but that's the power of the internet. This isn't Obama, but it's a bot that sounds exactly like him. Now, don't get ideas. I know you want him to say a lot more things. Yeah. But we'll leave that for the next episode.
1: Okay, anyway, guys, in this week's episode of the Inside Line Formula One podcast, we're going to talk about Formula One in the United States of America. There's a bit of interesting history down there.
0: Yes, I'd also like to talk about the Inside Line F1 podcast in the United States of America, because we guys have a history, chemistry, and some statistics as well. By far one of our top three listener markets. So thank you, everyone, in the US of A and we talk of Lewis Hamilton making history you know I'm really proud that I got to see Michael Schumacher make history back in the 90s and you know the 2000s and then see now 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 see Lewis Hamilton make history in Formula One like we are all lucky to to have seen both these drivers do what they do best.
1: And guys, we're also going to talk about how the rookies are learning every aspect of being a Formula 1 driver, apart from obviously driving quickly.
0: Also, this is our 299th episode. So that's a long journey for us. Again, a lot of history going into this, but thank you so much for... Being on this journey with us, sharing the passions with us every single week.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you for tuning in.
0: And of course, remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, Audioboom, Google Podcasts, Spotify and every other audio streaming platform for your weekly dose of Formula One humor.
1: Whew. Okay, guys. So, anyway, this is not, I repeat, this is not the pre-USA episode.
0: Nor is this actually the post-Mexico GP episode.
1: But So, I'm, I'm still... a little lost,
0: but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but
1: guys, we're still going to tell you what Lewis Hamilton needs to do to win his sixth Formula One World Championship. Basically, he needs to finish ahead of Valtteri Bottas. Like he's done so for, what, the last 13 times in the uh, 18 races we've had this season...
0: Or if Valtteri Bottas wins, Lewis Hamilton needs just like a top eight finish, uh, you know, to seal his sixth world championship. And he's actually finished outside of the top eight just once this season in the outlier called the German Grand Prix, right? And this is exactly why we are saying that Lewis Hamilton will win the title in the US of A and we will witness history being made because unless he crashes out, there is nothing that's going to stop him from winning a world championship this weekend.
1: By the way, fun fact. Kunal, do you know that Lewis Hamilton rejected a role in the Top Gun remake? No. Yeah. Basically, Lewis Hamilton has a Hollywood casting agent and he's actually getting roles. You know,
0: honestly, my interest is in Hamilton's motor racing career. My interest in his acting career is very limited. I'd rather that he you know further build his career in other car racing series like Fernando Alonso is trying... You know, I I was really hoping uh, to see Lewis Hamilton accept, uh, you know, the challenge to even race in Formula E. But he's put that on hold for now. So, the only other thing that I'm really looking forward to now is like the much-anticipated swap between Valentino Rossi and Lewis Hamilton.
1: Formula 1 released a few Hollywood-themed videos and they conducted the F1 Live Festival in LA.
0: Yes. And Valtteri Bottas was asked which movie was his favorite Hollywood flick. And he said that it was the Wolf of Wall Street.
1: <laughs> that I, was damn funny. Yeah, because,
0: I, I didn't know where to look.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, it's like if he really wanted to impress Toro Wolf, he should have just gone all out and said, that my favorite Hollywood movie is Wolf of Mercedes <laughs> 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 or something. The, gu- the
0: guy who bangs the tables in the Mercedes garage every other fortnight. But... <laughs> You know, at the Formula One Live Festival, the organizers had a very typical American challenge. It was the triple donut challenge. And guys, do not get ideas because this challenge was for the drivers. It was for them to perform a triple donut donut in their Formula One racing cars.
1: It sounds like a lot of fun, but definitely not a core competency for a Formula One driver.
0: Yeah, you know, the fun fact here is that Red Bull was, of course, running a, a demo car as well. But I'd love to really ask them which engine was at the back of the car. I really doubt it was a Honda engine. <laughs> I for, a, for probably can assume that it was a Renault engine. But we're going to move on from there because it's time to talk about Valtteri Bottas's most meaningless win of the year. Because he actually won the Triple Donut Challenge.
1: Woohoo! He beat Max Verstappen, guys. That's awesome.
0: And... Uh, you know, I think his most meaningless win of the year could actually come even in the last three races of the season. But
1: After, one second.
0: after he's yes, sort of... Yes, we're going not. to
1: come to all of that. But, you know, back to those Hollywood-style videos. So Lewis Hamilton was unanimously voted as the winner of the Best Actor Award. Uh, I think all the drivers who featured in the video voted for Lewis Hamilton.
0: Yeah, I mean, unfortunately for Lewis Hamilton fans, his best acting performances have come... On the radio. So I really hope that this casting agent, you know, that you're talking of, is able to get Hamilton something of value on the silver screen as well.
1: I'm actually reminded of his Mexico performance. You know, it was a very amazing performance by Hamilton in the car and on the radio.
0: Well, the bigger news from Mexico was about the Paddock members picking up a stomach bug. And I was told that almost 150 of them were impacted.
1: Oh my god, it's the Mexican beans, now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I remember during the Indian Grand Prix, we all called it the Delhi Belly because a few paddock personnel did have it back then as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, Pair Gasly had some gassy moments apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Pun unintended.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I remember Helmet Marco saying that he'll make Gasly wear diapers but he will still make sure he races.
1: That's the commitment
0: of a Red Bull Racing junior driver.
1: Yes, guys, Formula 1, shit happens. Anyway, maybe this is why <laughs> Nico Hülkenberg, he explicitly stated before the uh, US Grand Prix that he was looking forward to some classic American steak and burgers.
0: Well, Nico Hülkenberg, you know, this could be the last few races of his Formula 1 career. And he just wants to make sure that it isn't food that gets in the way of him racing a car, uh, you know, in the, in the last three races. And... You know, again, I mean, it's Nico Hulkenberg, right? I wonder what could get the Hulk out of shape. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, But um, coming back to Helmut Marko, uh, he actually had an iffy weekend. He wasn't, you know, he joined Max Verstappen in being like the underperforming Red Bull guy, (laughs) because Helmut Marko said that he forgot what race came first. Was it Mexico or was it the USA? And I guess this is what happens when we have too many of those. And of course, by now, we all know that in 2021, we are going to have 25 races on the calendar. So our wishes have been answered, but I don't know half of my year is going to go in Formula One.
1: Or more. Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> You're stuck with me. Anyway, I think beyond the point, we all know that um, there's a race next weekend. We don't always remember where, but we know, right? No yeah. other plans next weekend. Yeah.
0: Given how good Marco has been otherwise, we can sort of, you know, yeah. let, him, let him underperform here. But <laughs> the most impressive thing about Mexico was, you know, the winning car being hosted onto the podium. And I think it was a pretty cool innovation.
1: Yeah, and very symbolic too, you know, reminding us that there's always a car that's driven the driver to the top step of the podium.
0: And, and I wonder if the FIA had a special briefing for Sebastian Vettel. They would have told him that, listen, if Mercedes win, there is going to be a Mercedes car that will be hoisted onto the podium. Please do not leave the podium to go inspect the Mercedes
1: car. Yeah, or worse, like if he wasn't on the podium, he would have shown up there just to inspect the car. (laughs) Because I know that Inspector Seb has been fairly active in the last few races.
0: Overactive. Overactive. Like ever since Mercedes sort of won the sixth title and before... (laughs) He's, you know, constantly going and checking on other people's cars. But why not? We all do that. You know, we always want to see what the competition is all about.
1: But anyway, guys, the 2021 regulations, they're finally here. They've finally been announced.
0: In fact, we waited a day just for this announcement. Although I must say that there was no official word on when they would actually be released.
1: Yeah, and uh, there's a trick, actually, and it's a, it's uh, they've not actually released the regulations. They've only announced that the regulations have been unanimously agreed on by all teams.
0: Yes, and I expect the technical documents to be released at some point, you know, but for now, the announcement in itself was crucial because for those who heard our episode last week, we did say that the USGP is when we should expect some sort of an announcement since it is Liberty Media's home race as well.
1: And we could have a quick summary of what's to be expected in 2021.
0: You know, first, let's really applaud Liberty Media because they have what everyone, they've done what everyone thought was unthinkable. They've got a really bold rule book passed. And especially when just a couple of days ago, there was uncertainty in, in the press all over.
1: Yeah, I think after years of listening to Formula One's problems, there's finally some sort of attempt to get over those problems, whether they work in the right direction or not. I don't know. But guys, full marks for taking us in the right direction.
0: And as we rejoice the 2021 regulations, you know, it's going to be something that Formula One is thinking of adding for 2020. Uh, It's a special regulation aimed towards Sebastian Vettel. And it's also to, you know, fans to let them know that they need to be careful when they go and take a selfie with Vettel. (laughs) Because, you know, the way he pushed the Mexican Stig away last weekend while, you know, being, being forced to be a part of the selfie was actually... Hilarious.
1: And brutal. And Kunal, I knew you would have picked up on that given how much you don't you don't really like taking selfies, right? Yeah, I You're mean, an old school guy.
0: Yeah, given a chance, I just dialed down on the intrusion of technology in our lives in general.
1: Lucky for you, you how you have the paparazzi following you everywhere. <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, but come to think of it, Racing Point found out about Renault's automatic brake by system thanks to wait for it, a YouTube video. So that that's not a bad thing, right? Technology save
0: them yeah if I were Renault I'd be really worried you know to see that none of my rivals were actually copying the system and maybe that's where the biggest clue lies in believing that it's a it's an, probably an illegal system but it's definitely not making me go faster
1: <laughs> yeah I think if only Renault was faster then heads would have turned for sure <laughs>
0: and software codes and stuff would have been copied to make sure hey they have it we need to get it as mm. well But guys, this also means that the next time a Formula 1 team puts up an in-car racing video of their driver, you know, helmet cam or onboard cam or whatever, remember to watch it in great detail because you never know what you're going to end up finding in that video because that's what happened to Racing Point.
1: Yeah, good point. Right?
0: But, you know, talking of videos and onboard cameras, currently we are seeing an overdose of television graphics. I don't know what you have to say about that.
1: Specifically, the tyre graphic. And that, guys, we know it picked up a bit of a controversy, particularly uh, Mario Isola said that Pirelli had given no tyre data to Formula 1. And they were really disappointed at the inaccuracy of the graphic.
0: You know, and I think in Mexico, everyone in general was disappointed by the inaccuracy of tyre life because the soft tyre barely lasted while the hard tire almost did a full race distance and this is probably what pirelli would have wondered as well they were like we don't know what our tires are doing how does the formula One graphic guys know (laughs) what sort of stuff have they been been feeding on on data you know
1: yeah i think given formula one's drive to monetize everything they can i can see a lot more of these graphics coming up you know in in the meantime so guys we just got to live with it
0: You know, to me, the most annoying sale of ad space by Formula One is on their website and the app. And to me personally, it just diminishes their brand value and the brand image of the sport.
1: I agree with that. But moving on this week, I read some really interesting comments uh, from the so-called rookie drivers. Lando Norris and Leclerc, though he isn't quite a rookie for now, uh, basically, they're both saying that they're trying to be more assertive with their team members. And, you know, Kunal kind of reminded me of when I was promoted to being a manager, you know. You're still a kid at the workplace, but you've just got to be taken more seriously seriously by everyone around.
0: You know, that's an interesting perspective because this also shows that, you know, the rookies are learning every aspect of the sport of Formula One. And in Formula One, you know, we already know that it isn't just about being fast. You've got to be able to manage relationships, you know, manage team members, communications, especially when so many different languages and cultural aspects come into play with the team. And it's also about the politics and, of course, the whole ecosystem of being, you know, a part of a multi-million dollar, multi, team multinational operation.
1: Yeah, I think the best example of this is Fernando Alonso, of course. And by the way, speaking of Fernando Alonso, so he's gone and cancelled his uh, attendance at the US Grand Prix. Kunal, do you think this has anything to do with Hamilton possibly winning his sixth title there?
0: Well, we will never know. But I was really wondering if Alonso would visit the United States Grand Prix and make some sort of an announcement with McLaren for next year's Indy 500. I was really hoping to hear that. You know, of course. Additionally, McLaren have announced their driver lineup for uh, the American series, but we're not going to talk about it on this episode.
1: Yeah, I think the only announcement that we can now expect to see is the one that we're all waiting for: the 2021 regulations.
0: Yeah, I'm really waiting for them to sort of release the rule book. Uh, we all know that Ferrari have the nuclear button to sort of veto these uh, rules, but from what I understand, if these rules have been passed by the World Motorsport Council. Ferrari have a seat on the World Motorsport Council. So I don't think that, you know, the the vetoing is probably going to happen at this stage, right? And the only hope I have is that Formula One isn't really overselling its 2021 agenda. And in all of this, let's remember, we still have 2020 to go through, right? But moving on, after the US Grand Prix, um, the other announcement that is going to happen is that of Max Verstappen's teammate, for 2020.
1: And despite everyone hoping that Nico Hulkenberg is in contention, Helmut Marco has confirmed that it's going to be between Kivat, Gasly, and Alex Albon.
0: Honestly, this is the first time I've heard Helmut Marco explicitly mention Danny Kivat as a prospect for Red Bull Racing.
1: Wow, that's true, right? And specifically to Alex Albon, you know, um, I'm sure he wants to move out of his parents' home. And I found it very cute, you know, when I found out that he still lives with his parents. But Alex, if you're hoping that your Red Bull Racing contract will give you that stability, think again.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're always dishing out advice to young drivers on the Inside Line F1 podcast. But Alex, if you want stability, you actually need to go be a Ferrari driver because they are known for keeping their drivers way past their best buy dates.
1: Red Bull Racing, I think they're going to be a bit annoyed though, uh, because they honestly had a great chance to score victory in Mexico, but then it was all thrown away after Ma- Max Verstappen's brilliant lap in qualifying.
0: You know, we could actually blame Verstappen and Red Bull Racing for making the Mexico Grand Prix less interesting than it could have actually been so. I mean, I really wonder how the race narrative would have changed if Verstappen was in the fight at the front. But could have, would have, should have, all of that. So we should just, of course, move on.
1: Uh, Frankly, I couldn't believe my years when I heard Verstappen's comments in the press conference. Honestly, he was so arrogant.
0: You know, Verstappen has matured as a driver, there's no doubt. But he's still a 22-year-old. He sounded like a 22-year-old. Red Bull may not be successful in helping him with a sports psychologist, but they should definitely get him a PR trainer. You know, somebody who's able to teach him on how to be honest, but still be diplomatic at the same time. And remember what we just spoke a couple of minutes ago about managing the ecosystem and relationships? Maybe he needs to sort of work on that. Yes, we have a lot of Dutch listeners. Guys, do not take everything we say about Max Verstappen as negative feedback.
1: But on the positive side, Verstappen and Sainz, they both started their career together at Tor Rosso. So we know that. And guys, they're both clocking their 100th race this weekend.
0: Congratulations. Yeah,
1: that's that's, that's a, a that's century a of milestone. races
0: already. <laughs>
1: at 22, that's insane. And Kunal, I wonder if Sainz feels left out because it seems like Verstappen's got a special date with the FIA in Austin.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And no prizes <laughs> for guessing that safety will be the topic of discussion.
0: Last point on Red Bull Racing, maybe they do need a more experienced driver like Nico Hulkenberg. Because while they're waiting for Max Verstappen to be, you know, fully combat ready, if I may call it that, uh, they need someone to go score the big points in the Constructors' Championships. uh, Especially because that's the business end of the championship, right? And I think Alexander Albon is scoring those points. Is he scoring those points yet? No. Did Pierre Gasly do so? I don't think so. So, maybe this is where Danny Kivat sort of gets the nod. But if Red Bull Racing want to, you know, sort of fight for the Constructors' Championship, they need someone who can keep getting those points. It may not be wins, but they need to keep getting those points.
1: On that note, let's look at the closing notes before we hand it over to Lucien.
0: Yes, so Kevin Magnussen hit a balloon in Mexico. And then he radioed his engineer to check if there was any damage to his front wing. It was such a strange radio message, every time I think about it.
1: Yeah, I think honestly, given Haas's form and luck for that matter in 2019, you never know. But Kunal, their home race in America.
0: Yes, they will be working really hard to not get eliminated in Q1. They have a new front wing update that's come in as well. But that's just how their story has unfolded in 2019. Because I remember that after pre-season testing, everyone was like, it's going to be Renault versus Haas for the best of the rest. And now they are just a little bit quicker than the worst of the rest.
1: Ouch. Anyway, guys, here is Lucien with his awesome Moments in Time section.
2: Welcome to Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucien Byfield. Today, we should look back briefly on some historical US Grand Prix. 2015. After Lewis Hamilton shoved and bumped Nico Rosberg out of Turn 1, calling it understeer, it was Rosberg who, late in the rain-affected race, happened to be on the right tyres and blasted back past Lewis to what looked like an easy win, keeping him in title contention. But, according to Nico, a gust of wind caught him out. He went off and regained the track, only to see Lewis sail on by to claim his third title at the time. The race was famous for the weather, with session cancellations and a messed up weekend format. But more for Hatgate. The incident where Lewis tossed Nico's second place hat to him and Nico threw it back. 1990, Gerhard Berger joined McLaren and outqualified Senna in Phoenix in the first race together as teammates. Senna, usually a master at street circuits and in the USA, got his revenge by winning the race as Berger crashed out when his foot slipped off the pedals and he careered into a barrier. But it was Jean Alacy who set the world on fire that day Having made such an impression in his half season in 1989, he was retained by Tyrrell in that iconic blue and white beauty of a car, and somehow raced wheel to wheel with Senna for the lead, taking it and fighting Senna repeatedly. 1973, Jackie Stewart had already sealed his third world title, and was about to enter his 100th and final Grand Prix, but his junior teammate, the handsome and talented Francois Sever, was to be decapitated in qualifying so Stewart didn't race in the respect of his fallen teammate. The race was won by Ronnie Peterson, but the mood and vibe was one of grief and sadness, in an era where driver deaths were common. 2005 gave us the biggest farce in Formula 1 history when only six cars fitted with Bridgestone tyres took the start of the race. Michelin had suffered incidents and felt it was unsafe to race, Pleading with organisers for a temporary chicane to reduce loads on tyres was met with what was to be expected when there are too many chiefs and not enough Indians involved in running a sport. I must mention 2007. Fernando Alonso knew at McLaren a double world champ too was being shown the way by rookie Lewis Hamilton by the one-third mark of the season. Lewis had won for the first time at the previous Canadian Grand Prix and would do so in the US too. Politics were rife at the time and on the podium, I don't think we have ever seen Nando look so white and also so fake. He was massively upset, furious at Ron Dennis for allowing inter-team rivalry. In closing, let us remember the final win for Kimi Raikkonen in 2018. Well, that's it for Moments in Time on the Inside Line with Lucian Byfield. Catch you later.
1: Lucian, thank you so much. That was very interesting as always.
2: Yes, even more
0: so for this episode, Lucian. Thank you very much. Guys, Lucian lost his mother a few days ago and you're sending him condolences from our listeners from all over the world. So thanks again, Lucian.
1: Thank you. And you know, I really like the history of the United States Grand Prix. Uh, There have been some pretty interesting races despite Formula One's failed attempts to set foot. My favorite memory, of course, is Kimi Raikkonen's win in 2018.
0: Yes, I mean, we could have all probably guessed that would have <laughs> been your memory. It's probably the best memory in the last 12 months that we have for any Ferrari event for that matter. But the newest chapter is going to possibly be the Miami Grand Prix. I have a feeling it's going to happen, but I really wonder if it's going to last long. I'm not too sure. And right now, there's actually a group of older-aged Ladies who's protesting against the race.
1: So much for Netflix boosting interest in Formula One among the female audiences, right, Kunal? Clearly, the age uh, demographics didn't match.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, Mithila, what are your predictions for Austin?
1: Okay, a Ferrari on pole and a Mercedes for victory.
0: And I think Lewis Hamilton will see in his sixth title.
1: And I think the with first a win, corner. With a win. Ah. I think the first corner is going to offer a whole lot of excitement.
0: And I really wonder if Sebastian Vettel will repeat himself from Mexico. You know, he said that even Formula One cars had a blind spot. And that's why he didn't see Lewis Hamilton before forcing two wheels off, you know... Hamilton's two wheels off on the grass at the start.
1: You know what? I'm going to repeat what one of our listeners on Facebook, uh, one of our followers on Facebook, Rajan Dawari, he said of Sebastian Vettel, that in the past few races, Vettel seems more concerned uh, about finishing in front of Leclerc than anything else. that's
0: That's, true. That's an interesting observation and a thought because Vettel's, of course, been beaten in qualifying for, uh, I think, what, a 10-race streak or something. And the least he can do is actually try and claw it back, you know, claw the disadvantage back in the race. So, it's going to be interesting to see how Vettel and Leclerc are going to develop in 2020. We've asked you guys this question before and we ask you again. If you were Mattia Binotto, what would you do? You can reach out to us on Facebook and write to us. And Ferrari keeps saying that they're actually using 2019 to prepare for 2020. But, you know, if the last three races are anything to go by, it's far from ideal preparation.
1: Great. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. It's been awesome as always. And we'll be back next week after the United States Grand Prix. Till then, keep racing. Bye-bye. Children's National Hospital in
0: Washington, D.C. improves children's health by developing better treatments and technologies. As one of the top children's hospitals in the nation, we take on the most complex, rare, and life-threatening conditions because all children deserve a healthy future. And with our new pediatric-focused research and innovation campus opening this spring, we'll be able to generate and share even more discoveries. Learn more at childrensnational.org innovation.